Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. I want to go over some announcements. Uh, First of all, uh, we don't know, like I said, what's going to happen next week. We are in day seven of the president's uh, recommendation of 15 days of, of separation. Uh, we're on the seventh day. I fully expect this to be extended because uh, I, I believe that this virus is being absolutely knocked down by prayer and by the faith of the church. But uh, even if it, if it levels off in, in the next eight days, there will still be hundreds and maybe several thousand people infected. I don't know how, what the numbers are right now, but there will still be hundreds of people infected. And if we go back to doing, if the society goes back like it was, those numbers just go up again. So I fully expect this to be extended. We don't know how long. I don't know how uh, more burdensome the uh, requirements are going to be on us individually, like to, to stay inside. Some states, like Pennsylvania, have issued a stay-at-home order. You cannot go out of your house except to go to uh, certain, you know, what they call essential uh, places of, of, uh, of business. So it's interesting to me that, that the government can dictate that going to a uh, home, reta- home repair place or hardware store to buy something to fix your, uh, your garage door is an essential activity, but worship, which is guaranteed by the Constitution, is not essential. So I, ha- I, I go on record as saying I don't agree with that, but we are going to comply as much as we can, but the church is not going to be forced out of existence, I can tell you that. And, uh, and so anyway... Uh, we're doing what we can there. I don't know what uh, the, the next few weeks will hold, but we're going to be fine. Everybody's going to be fine. If everybody would just stop buying food right now, just stop going to the grocery store, don't buy any more toilet paper. Everybody has plenty of everything. I know all of you have several weeks worth of food. It would allow, I'm serious, it would allow the, the, the industry to settle back in. You know, the, the people that, that uh, work with supply and demand, these things are highly technical and, uh, and computerized and they know exactly when stores are gonna run out, run out and this has hit, blindsided them. Give them a week or so to readjust and everything will be fine and you'll still have plenty of food. So if you can share that with people, that would be great. There is no reason to panic. And you know what? You could be, you could be sequestered in a whole lot more difficult place than in your own home with food and television and air conditioning. Come on now. This is not a death sentence. We're not in jail. We're at home with our families. And so uh, this is not going to be, we can cruise through this. I, and I know there's an economic strain, but I'm telling you, this will not crash our economy. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, it will not. Now, I know our government is planning on paying everybody for time off, which means we're going to pay one another. But, but, but really not because there's really not any money. To it. They're just going to print more money. So instead of being, having a, a, a deficit of so many trillion, it's just going to jump up a, a, a trillion or two. And, uh, and then that's all going to be the end of it. So people that are out of work, you're going to get paid mostly. I'm, uh, most people, I think, uh, people are going to be supposedly getting checks in the mail, which I think is crazy for a lot of people, but uh, I'm not in that committee. 
<laughs> Praise the Lord. Let me go over some announcement. Uh, we still have an Easter party scheduled for Friday, October the 10th, out back in the field. What did I say? Huh? It sort of sounded like April. April the 10th. Uh, in the backfield back there, there's a flyer with details available at the information desk. The rest of these announcements, uh, now connection groups, all of the connection group activities have been postponed uh, for this time that had been planned. But these other things are still uh, uh, on, on go because we don't know what's going to happen next month. Uh, the youth have a San, I always have a difficult difficulty with this word, San, I want to always say San, San uh, Fiasco, it's not a fiasco. San Falasco bike ride on Saturday, April the 11th. And then the youth are having their prayer on Monday, uh, April the 13th. Easter Sunday, of course, is on the 12th. And we're, we're planning a, a great day that day. We never have a Sunday night service that service. And then our spring fellowship is Sunday, April the, uh, uh, the 19th. And that's still on the books. And so we just, we'll just, you know, play along with this and see how it goes. We have a guest minister scheduled for Sunday, April the 26th. That I really trust we'll be able to uh, be back to normal and be able to have him. His name is Joe Morris. Last year, the Lord dealt with me about uh, bringing this man in to teach on the end times. And, uh, and it's gonna be a really good time for this. And uh, so like I said, I had him scheduled from, la- from last, uh, late last year. I-, I worked it out with him and he is a tremendous minister and this is what he, pre- now he preaches on other things, but this is his expertise. This is what he focuses on. He's a solid word of faith guy, a rhema guy, uh, just an excellent minister and uh, he ministers. He doesn't just minister on, the, on the end times. He lays hands on the sick and casts out devils too. So we're gonna have a, a great time in the Lord. So uh, make sure you put that on your calendar. That'll be on the Sunday morning, Sunday night service. I've already talked about uh, the parking uh, or the buckets down front. Uh, stay consistent in tithes and offerings because everything's still going on. The only thing that, that we have perhaps a little reduced outgo is the electricity because we're not having as many services, but that's really not that much anyway. So we need you to continue to be faithful and consistent in tithes and offerings, not just for the church's sake, but for your own sake. Amen. Giving, receiving is tied to giving and you want to keep the flow going. Amen. And so this is not a time to be, uh, to let panic or fear stop anybody from giving. This is the time to be generous and just put, put the devil on notice. Amen. And God said, prove me now in this and see if I'll not open the windows of heaven. This is a perfect time to prove him out. Amen. So let's be uh, faithful to do that. Also in the parking lot, we uh, please, uh, when we leave today, just, you know, just as a model and good practice for our community, don't congregate inside. Don't, uh, don't, you know, get real close to people. Try not to, to just congregate at the door. Let everybody kind of get out. We're trying to get, you know, you out and the next crowd in, in 30 minutes. Uh, once you get outside in the open air, feel free to talk, hang out on the sidewalk in the grass fellowship, parking lot fellowship with one another. We're not against that. You should always be not in somebody's face, but uh, uh, you can be a little more relaxed out there than in here. That's all I'm saying. Um, so uh, follow the uh, parking lot attendants because they're going to try to get you out one way and bring the next group in a different way. I think they're going to bring them around. 
uh, and park them on this side over here while you guys exit over there. So uh, just follow their instructions. That'll be a great help. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, let's just stand and praise God again. We'll get into the word. Amen. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. 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 Glory. <laughs> oh, we honor you today, Father. Bahasha Mahakaladea. Hallelujah. 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 Woo. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. God is so good. Amen. 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 Again, smile at somebody, give them a wave and you can be seated. Praise the Lord. Before I get into the main message this morning, I want to go over the five top scriptures that will not be text in services in America today. These are the top five verses that will not be used as text anywhere in America today. Number five, Genesis 27, 21 from the New Living Translation. Then Isaac said to Jacob, come closer so I can touch you. <laughs> Number four, 2 Kings four thirty-five from the Message Bible. The boy started sneezing. Seven times he sneezed and opened his eyes. Number three, Proverbs 24, 26 from the Message Bible. An honest, an honest answer is like a warm hug. <laughs> Number two, Matthew 21, 25 in the Message Bible, they pulled back into a huddle and whispered. And the number one verse that will not be used anywhere in America this morning, 1 Corinthians 16, 20, greet one another with a holy kiss. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You know, it's just so good to have the victory. Glory to God, glory to God. Well, a lot of people are still dealing with fear. And so I wanna talk about that for a few minutes this morning and see how much time we have because, pray for me. Pray for me. It's, eight, it's 8.59, I have 31 minutes to get this done and, and less than that because we won't have time for the Holy Ghost, amen. Uh, in Matthew 24, turn there with me. Matthew 24, go ahead and open your Bible there and then we'll pray. Matthew 24, glory to God. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you today for the opportunity to come together. And we know, Lord, that, that you have called us together. And this part of the, of the mandate for the church is to assemble together in your presence. There is no safer place than to be in your presence where the Holy Spirit is moving among us and where the word of God is being ministered and where faith is. So we thank you today for this privilege and this opportunity. Glory to God. Father, we pray for our leaders, our president and all of those who are working on this task force and all of those that are working in uh, the health care industry and in the federal government, state government, local government, and then out in our hospitals, doctors, nurses, and so forth. Father, we just ask you to help them, bless them, protect every one of them, Father, from all disease, from all contagions, Father. We just pray your, your supernatural protection over them. Glory to God. Over law enforcement all around the land, we just thank you, Lord, for helping our civic leaders and our, and our healthcare leaders, Father. We're for, we thank you, Lord, for good government. We thank you for a government that doesn't overreact 
and over-restrict, but does do what's necessary to save lives. So we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, We've looked at this verse before, but I just want to point this out real quick. In in the 24th chapter of Matthew, uh, in verse number 6, it says, And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. So these are things that would happen before the end. And if you know anything about this verse and the next verse, if you know anything about uh, history, these things have happened repeatedly throughout the church age. And Jesus said that these things are simply the beginnings of sorrows. They're, they're, during the tribulation period, which begins in uh, the first part of the tribulation period, begins in verse 9 and goes through verse 14. And then the great tribulation period picks up in verse 15 and goes on down through the rest of the chapter. But uh, in this interim, during the church age, uh, he said these things would happen. There would be wars, rumors of wars. Verse 7, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. These are the beginnings of sorrows. And we know that these things have happened. This is not uh, particularly unusual during the church age, but we do have reason to expect these things to become more intense and more frequent as we approach the, the transition of the age. And so uh, geologists tell us that we're, we're over the last quite a few years, we've been in a, uh, an accelerated place where earthquakes have been concerned. There are more earthquakes uh, than there have been in previous times. thing I wanted to point out to you is in verse 6. He says, see that you are not troubled. No one can see to that but you and me. He said, see to it. That, that's, a, that's a real strong statement. He, he's saying, now listen. You make sure, you take it to be your responsibility that you are not troubled by these things. Amen? So we're going to talk about this a little bit, uh, a little bit more today. Uh, we know that 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, turn, turn over there with me. We know what it says. We quote it, but let's look at it. 2 Timothy 1 verse number 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. God has not given his church a spirit of fear. My mama always taught me that I didn't have any business having something that didn't belong to me. That don't belong to you. You need to give that back to whoever you, that, that's not yours. You need to get rid of that. Well, we, don't, we know where fear comes from. A spirit of fear comes from the devil. We certainly don't need anything in our lives that's of the devil. So God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. We know where it comes from so we can reject it. But what has he given us? He's given a spirit spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. We're not in this world on our own. We have the power of God in us, upon us, with us, and, and we're, we're able to minister that power to people. We're in a perfect time to be a church of power. People all around are afraid. And we have the opportunity to shine like a bright light to people around us that we are not afraid. We will not be afraid. And extend the power of God to people and the love of God to people. And this, this word, a sound mind, the word sound there means a controlled and disciplined mind. 
I'm telling you what, the world right now needs a controlled and disciplined environment, doesn't it? Well, praise God, that's what God's given us, amen? Now, uh, go with me to Ephesians chapter four. Ephesians chapter four. I might end up really early today because I'm trying to cut back my comments, so we, we, we'll see, praise the Lord. Ephesians four, verse number 27 says, do not give place to the devil. That tells me that he doesn't have any place unless I give it to him. Don't give the devil any place. Other translations say, don't give the devil a chance. Don't give him a foothold. Don't give him a loophole. Don't give him any opportunity or any opening in your life. Again, we have the ability to keep him out. We have the ability to keep fear away. The Bible says resist the devil and he will flee from you. That's not theory. That's an absolute promise and it's an absolute certainty if we resist him, he will flee from us. I talked a few weeks ago about how my grandsons, you know, they're in martial arts and if I try to put my hands on them, they resist me. They, they've been taught to, uh, grandsons and granddaughter, I guess, they've been taught uh, in, almost instinctively now. It's so drilled in them, they've been doing this for years, that if somebody tries to grab them, they just, they just start resisting. It's not so much that they're fighting that person, they're just stopping that person from fighting them. And that's what we have to do where the devil is concerned. We have to resist him. Resist every, we have to be vigilant during this time because the enemy likes to come in subtly. He likes to catch us when our guard is down. He likes to catch us when we're not really thinking or maybe prepared for a, a wrong thought or a fearful thought. And those things can slide in if we're not careful. We have to just, we have to get to the place where we stop his every suggestion. Now, I've been preaching this for several years now about the importance of resisting sickness and disease, any symptom that comes on your body. I mean, put a stop to it. Don't let it continue. I don't care how minor it is or how big it is. I've, I've disciplined myself that when an attack comes against my body, and it might just be some little uh, discomfort, some little indication that something, I immediately attack that. Just say, no, you don't, devil. You're not putting that on me. Well, if you get in the habit of doing that about everything, when thoughts come, you'll know how to, wait a minute, I'm not taking that thought. I'm not, I'm not taking that fear. I'm not gonna act that way. I'm not gonna respond that way. Amen, we can resist the devil. And if we'll do it, God said he will flee. Amen. If he's not fleeing, there's something wrong with our resisting. Amen. Now, it's good to have foundational uh, scriptures that you know where healing is concerned because we're dealing with a, with primarily a healing thing and then secondarily a, a, um, a financial thing. But you need to know where, where, where to find these things in your Bible. Now, I have uh, some scripture sheets that I, that I read uh, on almost every day of my life, absolutely the vast majority of the days. I look at these scripture sheets and I, I don't look at all of these passages and verses every day, but I go through it consistently. You need to have some uh, compilation, some grouping of scriptures where you go to and you feed on them regularly. 
So you need to feed on, on Isaiah 53, verse 4 and 5. You need to feed on 1 Peter uh, 2.24. You need to feed on uh, Matthew 8.17. You need to feed on Deuteronomy 28. The, the, the blessings in verses 1 through 14, the curses in 15 throughout the rest of the chapter. Uh, you need to feed on the fact in, in that Galatians 3.13 and 14 says Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. These things need to be uh, part of your daily diet so that whenever you resist, you're not just sort of resisting out of willpower. You're resisting from a place of revelation. You know what belongs to you. Amen? 91st Psalm, everybody's reading that. That's great. But there are a lot of passages. The 103rd Psalm, I mean the 112th Psalm, I'm gonna look at it here in a few minutes. There's a lot of places in the Bible that you can go to to find out. And you don't have to have as many as I have, you can just take the ones that are dear to you and love them, feed on them, practice them. Amen? Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Now I'm going to show you this morning how to drive out a spirit of fear, how to drive it out of your life. Now before I do that, I want to kind of describe what a spirit, this scripture says God has not given us a spirit of fear. Fear is a spirit. You can tell the difference between being afraid. Let's say you go out to your shed and you start to go into the shed and you see a rattlesnake go under that shed. You would step back. You, you should, I would. And I, I would, if, if I had to, if particularly let's say you had something under there, you needed to get out. You'd put something under there and you need to get out. You would be afraid to put your hand under there. That's not a spirit of fear. That's, that's a natural fear that just there's something dangerous in there and you, you don't need to be putting your hand in there. It's scary. That's not what this is talking about. A spirit of fear is an oppression that comes on you. When, I, when I'm, uh, I'm afraid to step out in front of a truck on the highway, but there's no oppression about it. That's just good sense. But when a spirit of fear comes, it's an oppressing thing. It comes in the, in the form of anxiety, comes in the form of worry, apprehension, comes in the form of dread, just dreading things, dreading tomorrow, dreading what tomorrow holds. And it comes in the sense of a foreboding, a foreboding, which is a feeling that something evil is about to happen. Let me show you what, what, what I've been dealing with in the last, I would say, I don't know, maybe three or four months. I would wake up in the middle of the night and there would be this oppression on me. It's like I was, not like I was afraid of anything particularly, but like there was a, a sense of foreboding. Something's wrong. And at first, I would just pray about it. I said, well, Lord, are you trying to, to tell me something? I need to pray about something. But, but then I began to notice, no, when the Lord wakes me up because he wants me to pray, that's different. This was very much an oppressing thing. It was just like I could feel it. I would lay there in bed, pray in tongues for a few minutes, and, and it was just like I was, and there was nothing going on in my life. I wasn't dealing with anything. I didn't have any bad news. Everything was hunky-dory. And I'm laying in bed with this sense of foreboding like something's wrong. And so finally I would just 
whenever I prayed for a few minutes and the Lord didn't show me anything, I'd just ignore it. And I'd just turn over, you know, and try to go back to sleep. But I'd, I'd probably stay awake, stay, stay awake probably a half an hour, maybe an hour. Couldn't get back to sleep. Finally, it dawned on me, you know, I'm a little slow sometimes. That's an oppressing spirit. That's a spirit of fear trying to come on me. It didn't have any rational reason whatsoever. It happened several times. It happened night before last. I didn't go to bed worried about this. I wasn't thinking about the virus. But it happened a few weeks ago before any of this was on the horizon. But what I had learned to do, when that oppressing spirit, I would wake up in the middle of the night, and it, was, it wasn't a physical thing, but it was almost like there was a band around my chest. I'm not talking about a physical thing. I wasn't having shortness of breath, but spirit, I don't know if that makes any sense. Spiritually, I felt like I was having a shortness of breath. Breath. It was just like something's not right. And so after, like I said, months ago, after dealing with that a couple of times, it, uh, the Lord, I, you know, I realized what it was. That's a spirit. So what I would do is just resist it and not just resist it, rebuke it. Ignoring a spirit of fear will not conquer it. Ignoring a spirit of fear will not put it on the run. Now, there are times when you just simply need to ignore the devil. And what he says, I understand that. We all have to do that probably many times a day. Not everything the devil presents to you, uh, thoughts or temptations, do you have to you know, jump up out of your chair and grab your scriptures and go to you know, uh, rebuking the devil. You just, some things you just ignore. But when this spirit of fear comes, ignoring it will not drive it away. I would eventually, when I was doing that, I'd eventually go back to sleep. The next day, I'd likely not even think about it again. But when I started practicing what I'm, what I'm about to tell you here, that thing would leave instantly. Night before last, I woke up, I don't know, three o'clock in the morning, and I had that, that fear, and I said, everything is in order. Everything is planned. We got the service planned. This was Friday night, I guess. We have the Sunday planned. Everything's good. Everybody's excited about it. Everything's wonderful. Uh, not at all concerned about being sick. I'm not at all concerned about money. But there was that, just that compression, like something was trying to get hold of me. And uh, here's what you do, and, and I did it and, it, and it lasted about five more minutes and it was gone. Number one, give Satan no opening in your life. Give him no place in your life. If there is disobedience in your life, if there is sin, now disobedience and sin doesn't authorize the devil. He's still defeated. Your sin is none of his business. Your sin's between you and God. So I'm not trying to present an, uh, uh, the idea that if you're in sin, somehow you're on a, an unsure footing in Christ. You aren't because you're in Christ. Your authority belongs to you. But disobedience and sin will rob you of faith. Now, I, I, will, I will, you know, there, there are two sides to every coin. There are extreme situations where if, if a Christian persists in wrongdoing over a long period of time, then it can, compre, uh, 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 it can limit that person's ability to claim the promises of God because there is 
There are times when God will allow judgment to come on a Christian. It's not very often. This is not something that, that, you, that you, we hear about a lot. But Paul talked about Christians in the New Testament that he had turned over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit might be saved in the day of, 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 of the Lord. So the Bible does talk about that, but that's usually not the case. The main thing is check your heart, make sure you're in obedience. Make sure you're doing what God's asked you to do. Make sure you're living a clean life. Come on now. We live in a filthy society. Of a perverse and filthy world. We need to lead, live clean lives, holy lives. So examine your heart first of all. And really, you, you should be doing this all the time. Not just when a spirit of fear comes. But uh, you know in your own heart, if, if, uh, if, if your heart condemns you, you know it. And you can, and you can deal with that. Give Satan no, offer, no opening in the sense of ignorance. If you don't know the scriptures, you've given him an opening. Amen. Number two, know your authority in Christ. Know your authority in Christ. Jesus said, all authority, Matthew 28, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And then in, in Mark's version of that same conversation, that same great commission, Jesus said, now you go out and in my name you lay hands on the sick. In my name you cast out devils. In my name you take authority over the devil. Serpents and scorpions and all that sort of thing. We, we've been given, Jesus said, I give you authority over serpents and scorpions and over all the works of the enemy, serpents and scorpions, in that context, and in Mark 16 where it says you'll take up serpents, in that context, it's a reference to the devil and the works of the devil. And Jesus said very clearly to his disciples, behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And here's what I like. And by, they will by no means hurt you. By no means. And that's, that I, I've underscored that the last few days. I never had really focused on that. By no means. That's in Luke chapter 10. By no means. They will by no means hurt you. That means viruses. That means uh, 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 economic uh, disruption. By no means will they by any means hurt you. Glory to God. You need to know your authority in Christ. That's number two. Number three, just like I just said, you need to demand that that spirit of fear, you need to address that spirit of fear. And I do that. And I just say, just laying in my bed next to my wife, I'll just say, just, just quietly under my breath, you foul spirit of fear, I recognize you, I rebuke you, I command you to leave me right now in the name, by the authority of the name of Jesus. Like I said, ignoring it is not sufficient. When that oppression comes, you have to absolutely rebuke it and demand it to leave in Jesus' name. Now turn with me to the 112th Psalm. Psalm 112. I learned this scripture many, many years ago. I already knew it, but it became a real mainstay in my life when Greg, my son, uh, when PG was, how old was Greg when he had that uh, uh, meningitis? Huh? He was two and a half years old. Angela called me one day at work and 
I couldn't reach her. And finally, when I reached her, she said, well, I'm at the hospital. And I said, what are you doing in the hospital? Well, I've got Greg at the hospital. And she wouldn't tell me what was wrong with him. And I knew right then, my, my wife doesn't like to talk about stuff like that. I could tell in her voice that there was something serious. And she said, just come, just come to the hospital. I'll feel you in when you get here. He, and, and I want to go to the whole story. He was very seriously ill. Uh, he had spinal meningitis and he had pneumonia. And anyway, uh, fear tried to jump on me. Now, I was at work. I was working for the telephone company and I was working. I was putting a telephone system in a, a uh, financial institution. It was a large like headquarters of a, of a uh, savings and loan uh, organization that dealt with the military. So I, was, I think it was on a military base and their big credit union there. And so I just stopped what I was doing and went off by myself. And, and I pulled my New Testament out and I read this verse. This is in the 112th Psalm. Verse number six says, surely, talking about a, a righteous man, surely he will never be shaken. The righteous will be in everlasting remembrance. He will not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He will not be afraid. And I took that and I said, let me tell you something, devil. My heart is fixed, steadfast, trusting in the Lord. I will not be afraid of any evil tidings. There's nothing that can come my way that I will fear. Because he was throwing all kinds of things up, you know, in my mind. Maybe it's this, maybe that. And it was as bad as all of them, you know, when I found out. But he was trying to bombard my mind. And I said, no, I will not be afraid. I, it says he will not fear. I will not be afraid. I took my stand that day. I said, I'm not going to be afraid. And so I went ahead and cleaned up, you know, the, the tools and stuff that I was working with and made my way to the hospital. And from that moment, from that moment, the moment that I dealt with that, fear was not an issue then. I got to the hospital. They had him in isolation and, you know, in a, in a, uh, a tent, an oxygen tent and all that. So you remember that? Do you? Yeah, he was two and a half. He remembers it. And uh, he, he had all this stuff wrong with him. His lungs were full of... Uh, mucus and he was just in a mess you know and uh i called my pastor just to let him know what was going on and you know what he did he laughed he laughed he said is that right they're telling you this and they're telling you that and he just started laughing i thought that's it's so good to have a man of faith he was a rhema grad i was going to a rhema church at the time and, and it was so good to have a man of faith amen he started laughing he said, oh, he said, that's nothing. We'll take care of that. that, that that's not, not going to happen to your little boy. I said, I know it, Pastor. Praise <laughs> God. Hallelujah. He will not fear. Amen. Number five, praise and thank God. If you're in bed like, it, like I've been when this has come or you're out anywhere you are after you've done these other things, then just begin to laugh and thank God. Just begin to praise God, thank him, glory. God. I'm telling you in a matter of, of, of a few minutes, this thing will be gone if you'll do this, amen? And then be filled with the spirit. That's the last point. Singing, making melody in your heart as you praise God, praying in other tongues, worshiping in other tongues, psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Let the, let the inspiration of the Spirit lift you out of that. Glory to God. Amen. Well, that's how you do it. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Well, glory, glory, glory. I want to tell that this is not part of my regular message, but it's on my heart to tell you this. Uh, this is a good time to really be serious about God. 
Amen. It's a really a good time to be serious. There, there are Christians, I'm not saying there are any of you that are in this category, but there are Christians who just sort of float through life. They're good church members, they're faithful, they serve at church, people think they're wonderful Christians, and they're good people. But they're at least as equally in love with this world as they are Jesus. Things of this world really drive their, their passions and their desires. They get up in the morning, they think about natural things. Their plans in life all have to do with natural things. And, and going to church, they say it's number one, but in actuality, it's not. You can't, this is not a time to live like that. God needs to be number one in your life. Make sure he is. Because this, there's a reason for this. It's not because of fear. The reason for this is our light has to shine. Carnal Christians' lights don't shine. Carnal Christians look like everybody else. Except they don't cuss and drink and... Well, maybe. (laughs) Yeah, they don't... What did you say, Steve? How's that go? Yeah, we don't cuss, smoke, or chew or run with girls that do. That may be the only difference between some Christians and other people, but, but as they face other things, they react just like the world. This is a time to let our light shine. And in order to do that, God has to be number one. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, let's stand up. Glory to God. Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.